Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. Today's episode is All Creatures Great, Small, and Savage. So, obviously, uh, the animal kingdom, the, the nature of the world, as we as, as romanticized quite a bit, but truth be told, it's a pretty, um, pretty violent place. And we're going to go over the origin of a lot of our animals, or interdependency on animals today. Uh, welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you, Brian. This is a subject near and dear to my heart as an animal lover, and I know many people share that. But at the same time, it's disquieting to see the mayhem in the natural world, the so-called natural world. And we're here to tell you it's not so natural. It's not as natural as you might think. And that's because we have interlopers in our midst. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about dark spirits. These are the fallen angelics described in the Bible. The fallen, they interfere in a subtle but devastating way in human actions as well as animal actions in many cases. And we have extraterrestrials running around among us. And this is the the biggest problem we're facing at the moment because they have designs on us. They're not friendly. There are benign loving extraterrestrial beings, but they're in higher dimensions scattered throughout the galaxy and the universe. The physical ETs have been here for thousands and thousands of years. And one of those in particular comes up in the channeled information we're going to share with you from the creator of all it is. As a healer, I encounter the extraterrestrial problem working on people and their issues. And intuitively, I could see that they had foreign implants in them, some of my clients. And I could see intuitively if they had an abduction experience where they were taken physically by extraterrestrials for manipulation. I wasn't going looking for this, but looking at Discord, I would trace it to its cause and see these events on record. And so I, I became concerned, and as a channeler reaching out to the divine realm for answers about things and understanding how to help people heal, what's wrong with the world, it makes things so uneven, so iffy, so troubled, and more and more, they would share with me, there is an extra influence from these two dark sources, and they're working together. So the reptilians are one of several races of extraterrestrials that have lived on the Earth and influenced us from behind the scenes. We've talked about These them in reptilians, previous episodes as well. They what? We've talked about them in previous episodes as well. Yes, yes we have. We've introduced the scenario and described the history and so forth. But just to catch people up who may be joining us for the first time, the reptilians are very much reptilian in nature. They have a reptilian body. They are standing on two legs, but they have scales. They have a tail. They look like a reptile. 
and they have the savage nature of a reptilian type of being, which by and large are predatory. So that's what we're talking about with reptilians. So we should get into the channelings. Yes, and these I are so. these are answers we're going to relay to you from creator of all it is. That's the term I use instead of using God, because then that leaves out Allah and so on. And rather than be using terminology of one religion, I, I like that kind of generic uh, approach that may offend some people. But I can assure you creator is not doctrine-based. Creator doesn't want divisive, separate religions on the planet. They're not useful. They're destructive because they separate people from one another. And they all have core truth in them. That's what really counts. So I don't want to step on tools here, but you need to know my orientation. You know, we're talking about the Almighty here. Indeed. Carl, you asked Creator, did the reptilian extraterrestrials bring all or some of the reptile species to the Earth and for what purpose? Did that include snakes, lizards, alligators, and crocodiles? All right. And here's Creator's answer. They did bring the toads and multiple reptile species, including the snakes, the lizards, the alligators, and the crocodiles. There were variations of these in prior epochs on the Earth, as species are often introduced in many worlds to provide many differing settings and to provide a backdrop for the plans for that location. Some are testing ground, some are proving grounds, some are simply there to provide variety and opportunities for exploration, study, and interaction with more advanced beings who may visit and do work for a time in other worlds in their environment and gain knowledge. So, as you know, many species in the fossil record on Earth are no longer present on the planet. And that is true of the reptilian species of old. The newer variations were reintroduced by the reptilian extraterrestrials because it is in keeping with their history and their culture, their normal environment, to have many such species to which they relate strongly by sharing some of the similarities innately. And so they have a bias favoring these organisms, much as you admire those animals that break into song, like the birds, and those with beautiful plumage and behaviors that are endearing in some way to human sensibilities, particularly those that get along well with others and are not violent by nature. The opposite is the case of reptilian encroachment. They have a predator mentality. And so the predatory species are of interest to them and preferred by them because it is a reflection of their own nature and exalts them in a way in their thinking. Carl, you followed up and asked, Creator, are the sharks and killer whales both extraterrestrial predators introduced by them, the reptilians, to make the oceans unsafe? And again, Creator answers, this is very much the case. It is a perfect illustration of the mismatch with so many species and that of divine human sharing the habitat of Earth. It is no different than the great African predators, such as the lion and the hyena. There is savagery on display, and this is seen as natural because it contributes to a balance of nature, but they are not essential. 
overpopulation heals itself with or without predators to cull the herds. As improbable as it sounds, there are species of all kinds, land, sea, and air, which are predatory in nature, destructive or dangerous, all of which are a scourge and degrade the quality of human life. These hazards are taken for granted and not seen as sinister personally, but those awarenesses are suppressed. And this is part of the game, to lull people into complacency, even as they're being ravaged. Wow. Were vampire bats native to Earth? Again, these were non-native to begin with, although bats were a feature and have been present historically in many epics. The variant that relies on sucking blood to live was, again, introduced by the reptilians and is very much in keeping with their world rather than the Earth as a gentler and more loving planet by design with its flora and fauna. And now we have this question about cowbird. People probably, a lot of people are probably familiar with cowbird, but it's an interesting species. The cowbird is a visible interloper as it replaces other birds' eggs with its own, getting the other birds to raise its young. Is the cowbird native to Earth or a species brought here by extraterrestrial interlopers? And creator answers, this is an extraterrestrial species. The behavior and characteristic are the giveaway. You can see this in other predatory species. Those are typically interlopers. There's always an element of competition in nature because there must be sharing and sufficient resources to serve all. When such is the case, there is harmony and animals can feed side by side with no tension. When resources are scarce, there will be a competition because all organisms have within the drive to succeed and to preserve their life. This is the nature of the instinctive desires of thirst and hunger and can become quite compelling and override almost anything, including moral qualms about taking something from another, even on the part of high-level intelligent beings like humans. Humans are a poor example and a poor standard almost always in comparing to nature because they are so corrupted by the interlopers. But when food is available, all can live in harmony and peace, and there is no natural proper place for a species that only survives by preying on another. And so this is the characteristic setting it apart from what would otherwise be a natural order for Gaia. This includes the hawk as well, and the shrike. The latter in particular is noteworthy because it kills for the sake of killing. This is very much akin to the other predator species you know already are implanted here to be a source of corruption and a downgrade. Some are more for the sake of leaving a calling card, but most are deadly serious, especially those that worsen humans directly, like disease-bearing species that suck blood or cause a parasitic infestation. Well, you know, was our, was our natural bird, the bald eagle which is, you know, highly revered and respected, but it was it introduced also into our world by extraterrestrials as a harmful predator? And creator's answer here, sadly, once again, this is true of the eagle 
and other predatory birds as well, that they belong to the darker reptilian world and are not native to your planet during the period of time following the introduction of divine human. The earth was purged of predators prior to the installation of divine human as an organism. So the nest was carefully prepared to be a benign and loving place with abundant life of all kinds that would support the human experience with many reminders of the wonders of life and the beneficence of the divine in providing all the resources people might need for food and clothing and many other materials that are created from animal parts such as hides, tusks, and hooves. Next, you ask a question that's kind of near and dear to me because these are really a scourge. Did the reptilians bring us both mosquitoes and ticks from their world deliberately or inadvertently? Because I think mosquitoes are the most worthless creatures there are. Well, here you go again. And you're seeing a picture emerge from Creator about wanting this to be a special place for the divine human. So what's with the mosquitoes and, you know, having lions running around that can jump out of the bushes and eat your children and maybe you too. And so this is really starting to make sense when you stop and consider, would a loving God populate the world with things that bite and spread disease and can kill you outright and that leave you living in fear if you're um, an, an indigenous person with not any kind of advanced, sophisticated weaponry or even powerfully uh, defensible shelters and you're out there in the dark at night. I mean, this, this, is, this is making sense. <clears throat> All right, so these scourges are another issue. About mosquitoes and ticks, Creator says, they were deliberately introduced. The original transfer of mosquitoes was inadvertent, but was quickly seen to work to their advantage. And so this was followed by a deliberate infusion of more mosquitoes and also ticks as another blood-sucking insect that would be a scourge for human. Are fleas, head lice, and bed bugs extraterrestrial introductions? (laughs) Those are long words. To add to our miseries. And Creator says this is very much the case. They infest not only humans but many useful animal species as well, and are quite a scourge, both in terms of their annoying characteristics and their ability to carry diseases. The bedbugs are a perfect example of an insect scourge designed to be a genuine torment. The extraterrestrial alliance, in their ingenuity and depravity, will exploit creatures great and small that can be used to undermine human and the animal life they depend on. This includes the plant kingdom as well. There are many diseases introduced to be a blight for food sources across the spectrum. And this is yet another way they soften up humanity and weaken their foothold on the planet. Were houseflies created to populate the earth or were they introduced by extraterrestrial interlopers like other harmful pests? Creator says, the common housefly is an interloper as well. It is from the reptilian realm and is a similar scourge in being more nuisance than beneficial to the ecosystem. 
We are fast approaching a breaker, Carl. We've got time to squeak in one last question for Creator. Are rats and mice extraterrestrial species? Well, here we go. This is Creator's words. These are both extraterrestrial species, and that is consistent with the fact they're both a scourge causing great destruction of food stores as well as spreading many diseases. And that was their purpose, to encroach on humans and bring misery in many forms. Wow. You know, it's just so amazing to think of how much in terms of, you know, creatures that are disadvantageous to each other and to us are not the direct creation of creator. In other words, they are brought from other worlds, uh, evolved elsewhere, might have been, you know, um, geoengineered even by these extraterrestrials to be the scourge that they are. Well, they do manipulate genetically animals to worsen their behavior and characteristics. But creators explained that these kinds of creatures were created to be on their own as an experiment, as a development in possibility. And because they're a match to the reptilian way of thinking and acting, they were introduced into that realm. This is karma in action. They want a world of savagery because they are savage and creator fulfills their wishes, putting savage creatures to be their pets and their their role models or their enjoyments in their own natural element. Well, we'll explore that coming up in the next uh, segment. We've got a break coming up right now. This is Get Wisdom. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Do you have audacious faith for your business? We help you to learn more about stepping out on faith to brand your business and yourself in today's crowded competitive marketplace. Is your marketing plan in order? How do you set yourself apart? Audacious Faith for Your Business with host Dawn Jordan-Jones will teach you the methods that can make yourself and others aware of who you are. Audacious Faith for Your Business is broadcast live every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in and see your hard work pay off. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. 
Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Get Wisdom. Uh, we were talking about all creatures, great and small, and savage. I think we want to explore the ones that are a bit more loving in nature in this segment. Carl, you had a follow-up that you wanted to pursue here? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, you know, encourage you to stick with us here. This is uh, a shocking revelation. We understand that fully. No one wants to hear of these things, and we don't enjoy being the messenger of gloom and doom. But it's better to know than not know if something like this is going on. So what I would say about all this is this isn't like these reptilians came in 1947 with a a Noah-like ark with all these thousands of different creatures on it, which is kind of wildly improbable on its face. They have been here on the planet for at least 25,000 years. The Anunnaki who started this extraterrestrial manipulation have been here all along, coming in and out. So there was a brief Garden of Eden period when humans were created and put here in a beautiful, gentle world. And then it was sullied and manipulated along these lines by the extraterrestrials. So many of the animals are really wonderful companions. And, of course, the companion animals we will get to, which are the kind of top tier of, of this category. But many other species serve us, and they serve the planet also. So let's talk about that a little bit now, Brian. Well, you know, dolphins certainly are amazing creatures that many people are very, very fond of. What are the dolphins' origins, and were they upgraded to have individual souls? All right, and this is Creator's answer. The dolphins were created, as is true of all species. They were given individual souls from the outset. And this is true of all of the whales as well. They were always intended to be important stewards of the ocean and to have dominion of the seas with respect to all levels of life. In that respect, they are what is considered an apex predator in that they can serve to manage fish populations and also the plankton for purposes of keeping things in better balance. This is true of human with respect to land-dwelling creatures. The competition with other predator species was not part of creator's plan and has created many difficulties for human. Most famines are owing to the depletion of wildlife across the planet from over-predation. Wow. Carl, do, do horses have an individual soul like the companion animals? What does Creator say about that? Yeah, this is, this is beautiful. Like with the dolphins and the whales, and people just intuitively know they're special. They're really special. And the horse is in this category. So Creator answers this question, that this is the case. The horses are very special beings because they have been a source of assistance to humans down through the ages. And so they too were repurposed to give them an ability to bond to human, much like companion animals, and be of service. And in that process, were given individual souls to impart more human-like qualities. 
creator has told us that dogs and cats were divinely repurposed to teach us about love, yet these are predator species. Were they originally from the reptilian realm, but tamed through divine intervention? And creator answers as follows. This is a beautiful insight because it indeed is the case. These were brought here to be problematic species to compete with humans for food and to be a negative influence. But through prayer requests, the decision was made to repurpose the dog and the cat in particular to change their nature and to make them domesticated and allies of human through having an affinity for human contact and to have built within them the desire to be of service and to share their energy and in particular the energy of the divine flowing through them to repurpose it rebrand it, refocus it on their humans who have taken them in and nurture and support them. This is repurposing the natural affinity and acceptance and mutual sharing exhibited by these animals for members of their own kind, and in particular, their own grouping, their pack, their littermates, who are accepted by the parents and form a natural clan, so to speak. And then to extend that impulse to humans in their immediate living space, their home or den, if you will. In this way, the alliance was formed and reinforced in ways to make this natural and the customary consequence of coming into proximity. By extending love to humans, humans in turn responded and accepted and welcomed these creatures into their camps, into their dwellings, and because they were a source of delight, were greatly appreciated and loved in turn and have become a fixture of human culture, all of which serves both species in sharing a greater awareness of the divine in that partnership and provides a welcome counterpoint to the stresses and hazards of life outside the family circle. Why do cats purr? What does it do energetically for the animal and perhaps for anyone or anything nearby? This is an interesting question and people have puzzled over this. It seems like it's a kind of a gesture of contentment, but it's very soothing and satisfying to the cat owner. And here's what Creator says about this. This is a genetically programmed aspect of cat behavior that is part of their makeup as a created being. Like dogs, they are bringers of love. But unlike dogs, they do not have the more human-like personality and desire for frequent interaction and closeness with the humans in their environment, with a state of dependency that fosters being given attention to win over the person with their charms and allow them to experience loving thoughts, which is their mission, after all, to bring love to the human. Cats do this in a different fashion. It is less through more complex behavioral interactions than to simply be content to be in the environment and to radiate feelings of love, both in terms of intuitive outreach as well as the behavior of purring, which creates a soothing sound and quickly is learned to be a manifestation of contentment and inner peace and happiness. This has a soothing effect on all present 
And that too is the purpose. It is the bestowing of love in a special species-specific way to anyone close by. They will see the evidence of love in action, feeding the cat and causing it to vocalize its pleasure when the purring is in response to a human showing affection through holding the cat or stroking it. This indeed becomes a dance of love and a direct demonstration and payback of the pleasure being experienced. This is much like the tail wagging of the dog, which the human quickly learns to represent the emotional state of the animal and as a feedback mechanism to bring the human and animal in tune with one another. Both are signs of acceptance. Both convey happy thoughts and feelings and create a mutual vibrational partnership in the moment. Carl, you've done an awful lot of work with uh, your intuitive reach with people, with your healing services and things. And and in that work, you found that a, a high percentage of companion animals, both dogs and cats, are harboring human lost soul spirit attachments. What is the reason for that? Okay, and when we ask this of Creator, Creator answered, as you have seen intuitively, this is part of their mission. They are designed and tasked with the goal of helping human in all ways. They are able to see much intuitively that humans cannot. This includes spirits. So when they see a human spirit struggling and afraid, They will seek it out to give comfort, as they will for a troubled human in the physical. This is all the troubled spirit needs to form a bond and to accept a welcome. And then the energies will merge and the attachment will continue as the animal will not reject them, but will nurture and protect them indefinitely. So this, in effect, is a cleanup team to scour the landscape and attract the lost ones, to give them safe harbor. And in the energy of a companion animal, they will be safe from outside spirit attacks that otherwise would overwhelm them, most likely, and give them a severe time of torment. So this is one of the highest and most valuable of services these animals perform. As you know, the pain can be tremendous for a lost soul spirit in limbo, set upon by the spirit meddlers who wish to crush them and drain them of all energy. So this is a noble duty and a divine duty they perform. Wow. You know, you've actually said that uh, our companion animals, dogs and cats in particular, are like almost little incarnated angels. They play such an important role. And this really portrays that. Absolutely. They're on a divine mission in coming down and they serve their people to a fault, and that gets them in trouble, and we'll be talking about that as well. If animals attempt to heal their attached lost soul human spirits, how effective are they? In what ways are attached spirits benefited? Here is Creator's answer. Animals are quite talented and capable of bringing healing to humans, and this includes human spirits as well. They simply do not differentiate between the physical and the spirit form of human. They see both, as they have a very strong intuitive awareness. 
and they regard both as their potential friends and companions. They will accordingly befriend a human spirit, will allow it to interact with them, even if that means spirit possession, and will then react to its presence and do a healing outreach if that is warranted because of some need for recovering from a deficit or abnormality present. Animals will innately be able to heal 80 to 90% of human karmic issues in the body. This is a superb accomplishment and is a testament to the purity of their soul and the strength of their divine connection. Keep in mind, they have not been corrupted in the same way as human, so they can interact with divine realm figures readily, as well as other high-level spirit forms. A dog that befriended a homeless man and followed his ambulance to the hospital where he died has stayed waiting outside the hospital entrance for months. What was the reason? Does this homeless man need a spirit rescue? Okay, this is an interesting question I asked, and I I saw this posted on the Internet because people took an interest in this story. This dog hovering outside the hospital because they wouldn't let the dog in, but his homeless friend, his human, was taken there when he was, was ill, and he died in the hospital, and the dog's sitting outside waiting. So we asked Creator about all this, and here's Creator's explanation of this story. This indeed is a touching and heartwarming story and demonstration of the divinity of the companion animals. Such extreme loyalty is a characteristic of divine love on display, that these loving creatures will bond to a person and make almost any sacrifice to serve them. For this dog, it is but a minor inconvenience to stand vigil because it is being rewarded in knowing it is carrying out its duty and nothing has higher priority in its perspective than to preserve the human it has chosen. The reason for the long, long persistence on duty at this hospital was indeed the soul of this unfortunate derelict being earthbound and being trapped within the hospital itself. Not knowing how to navigate, it was unable to leave and was in too low a vibrational state to cooperate with the light callers. This the dog perceives and is wanting to get to the man's spirit, but is settling for the next best thing, which is to simply watch and wait. And its patience is in response to the recognition that the human is, in fact, nearby. So there's nothing else for it to do but to wait until a reunion takes place. A spirit rescue will end this and free the animal from its need to sacrifice itself and its own freedom and variety of experience to stand guard. Wow. You know, one of the big takeaways that I that I get from all this is that really, I mean, there's, there's not a bigger endorsement out there for getting a pet. I mean, you know, I mean, people talk about the benefits of pets, but this really sheds uh, a floodlight on it and really just speaks to the need that uh, we are we are very well served by having a companion animal in our lives. Yes, very much so, very much so. And it's becoming conventional wisdom and has been for many years among certain quarters that getting a dog can help people keep going. 
especially when they have a struggle or they're reaching their elder years and they might be alone and feeling lonely and disconnected because they don't have a circle around them any longer. People outlive their loved ones and their rel- and their, their friends. And, yes. and a dog or cat even can make a difference and bring joy and a reason for living for many people. Because they are so much nicer to be around than people oftentimes. They're uncomplicated. And Indeed. they are they're divine in their focus. They're much less trouble. They can develop karmic issues. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in our next segment. You know, there's a downside in that, you know, the dogs typically don't live more than twenty years, and same with cats. And I, I've actually known people that have just been devastated when they lose that, that family member. But uh, death is part of life, and sometimes that's, that's a lesson in itself. Yeah, very much so. But the healing animals are really intent about it. And this is something people don't appreciate, that they'll take on the troubles and problems of their owner. And that is a real liability for them. They, animals are mostly hurt because they're around people. And they in, incorporate karmic wounds of all kinds from mistreatment. It's quite tragic. And those live from life to life and come back and haunt and re-echo. And many times a dog or cat's problem comes from other lifetimes of abuse. So dogs and cats reincarnate. Yes, they do. They have an individual soul. They're just like people in that regard. They are special. Other animals do not. They have a collective soul. So they're, in a sense, interchangeable and have a very similar makeup and a very simpler repertoire. We're on another break, Carl. Be sure to check out GetWisdom.com. We have a number of e-books to download. And we'll be back with the next segment right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Something beautiful is happening on Mondays here each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join Rachel Corpus, angel communicator and psychic medium, along with her holy team, The Collective, when they'll share messages that guide you, heal you, and remind you that you are divine. Rachel loves introducing people to their own angels, and now she is here each week to do just that and so much more. Catch the show, You Are Divine, every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to our last segment here on Get Wisdom. Uh, we're, we're going to explore in this, in this segment the, uh, the need for healing for both animals and humans and how the two can interact in that regard and how, what we can do also to help in that, in that sphere as well. Uh, do you have some observations you want to make on that real quick, Carl? Well, the, the need is very, very common. And this is unappreciated across the board because we're reliant on science and medicine and this is our focus, it's our hope. And unfortunately, in many ways, it is a misdirection. And it's a long, complicated story. And the reason I say it is because I have been shown that Most illness is karmic in nature. It comes from trauma of life experience, either the current life or prior lives, working its way forward energetically across time. That does involve genes in many instances because they're a way of constructing and expressing things by the body. And karma will influence the gene makeup and the different expression patterns. So you can see scientifically there are physiologic dysregulations, genetic uh, inappropriate suppression or overexpression of certain genes and so forth with various maladies. But that doesn't speak to the true origin. It's a mechanistic explanation of why something can get out of sorts and then a symptom arise. But it doesn't give you the answer, why in this person is it happening? Because there is a prelude to that. There is a karmic setup 94% of the time. And that's true for animals as well. And then we have our old friends, the interlopers. And we want to say a little bit about that as well, just to show (laughs) you they're not spared the wrath of the dark extraterrestrials among us. No, they're not. You asked Creator, have the companion animals, both dogs and cats, been genetically tampered with by extraterrestrials to indirectly harm humans by making the animals more sickly or to have undesirable behaviors? And this is Creator's answer. This indeed is the case. So one can look with suspicion at any genetic defect that persists and is not a random seeming event but a breed characteristic that speaks to a mutation with a high degree of dominance that will be a clear problem and a recurrent liability. But just because the problem is there does not mean it cannot be healed. That is very much the case and can be done by applying the Lightworker Healing Protocol to request healing for the genetic distortion. And this will take care of the problem nicely. So this introduces the the idea of this light worker healing protocol that we use for humans and animals as well to deal with spirit problems and also karmic problems and brings in some very elegant divine healing. So this is really encouraging news because people still don't know what to do about these things. 
They know there's genetic associations with many ailments in animals and people. But as yet, we're not able to elegantly retool the genome. We're working on that scientifically. But in the meantime, what about a divine answer, a divine solution? It costs a lot less. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Absolutely. And it works very well. I'm a practitioner of the LHP myself, and I can vouch for its effectiveness. Carl, you asked uh, Creator, were the tumors in a, a client's dog a consequence of him wanting to heal his onboard human spirit attachments? by taking on their discord, causing adverse health consequences for him. And in answer, creator says, this indeed is the case, and this you were shown during your protocol work. This is something that does happen and can be a serious problem for the companion animals. As your work has shown you, companion animals have a high frequency of spirit attachments, particularly human lost souls, as their life mission is to rescue humans. This is typically in the range of 75% of all such animals. So it is common for them to have attachments. Wow, to think that three out of four dogs and cats have spirit attachments, human lost soul spirit attachments, that's really sobering. Yes, and these are troubled. These are troubled uh, spirits. And that's why they didn't get to the light. So it's a prescription for giving a burden to these animals. They're happy to take that on. But when they do it at their own uh, peril, at their own decline, trying to help, but taking on that discord personally, it gets them into trouble. And so we can help with that. How commonly are the health problems of companion animals due to the emotional turmoil and karmic issues of lost human soul spirits attachments they may be wishing to assist. And Creator answers, a very significant percentage of health issues in the range of 60 to 70% will be due to the discord of the lost souls they carry, even more so than the case of the problems of their owners. And that is because of the greater proximity of energies. It is not because of a preference for the wayward spirit over their human companion. They will attend to all. It is only that the very troubled nature of such attachments more frequently results in a health problem that the percentages are greater for this as a causation. Many, many humans are troubled as well. But again, the proximity of energy weights that a bit more heavily as the major causal influence when this happens. So keep in mind, these spirits are inside the animal, inside their energy, 24-7. So I don't think there's too many veterinarians that know this, Carl. No, no, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. You asked, will my client's dog and his heart condition benefit from a protocol session? And Creator told us about this client. This is the case. It is not that a total cure is readily achieved in this way, but there are things that can be done to reduce the severity of symptoms and in particular to avoid a further downward spiral. And that is the next best thing. Much will depend on the animal's own response to the shift in energy and experiences and to what extent it feeds the problem with negativity in its efforts to help the owner. For animal healers, this is the greatest pitfall. 
that in taking on the energy of discord from the loved ones, it will be added to existing misalignments because it is a match vibrationally. And they inadvertently worsen their own weakest link. So this is not the best way to heal, but a trap many healing animals fall into because they're going by instinct, essentially. And the energies have a life of their own without more direct oversight and guidance, which would be the case were the conscious self making deliberate decisions and choices on what to do about each circumstance being addressed. Left on their own and to their own devices, animal healers will take the path of least resistance by internalizing everything and then adding it to their own energy in a way that, in effect, it truly becomes their own problem to deal with, and that will exacerbate current issues. A healing outreach from you would have material benefit. Carl, we have time to uh, actually deal with the optional that you that you wanted to talk about. I'll ask this question. So emotional support animals, comfort animals, and therapy dogs are not considered service animals under the Americans with Disabilities Act. In what ways are they of value to their human companions? Well, you can probably predict what creator is going to say about this. But it's interesting and instructive nonetheless. So we'll share this. Creator's words are, the reason for the distinction here is that it is only those animals trained to carry out a specific visible activity with a tangible benefit that are considered to be indispensable, such as seeing eye dogs or dogs trained to help a person cope with epileptic seizures or psychotic behavior. There is little appreciation by the mainstream of the value of companion animals as healers. When people are with their animals, it strengthens the bond, but also fosters ongoing healing work. This is especially the case when the two are in proximity, because this signals the animal and is a reminder of their mission. When absent from one another, there is still a bond and a connection, and there will be an intuitive awareness more so on the part of the animal than the human. But it will not be as intense and as immediate an interaction when the two are physically separate as when they're traveling together. As animals are wonderful healers, having them along during a journey that is stressful for the owner or when there is an ongoing health issue and that stress might aggravate complications and begin to interfere with their function, having the animals along may forestall this. And this is ample justification to consider these animals as indispensable in the same way. Because one never knows when symptoms of illness will worsen or a new difficulty or a complication may become symptomatic. And if a companion animal is present, we'll be ideally positioned to go into action and apply healing relief for the owner. These animals can truly be miracle workers in their own right and should always be honored. Wherever humans go, these animals should be allowed and given special consideration and accommodations to make them welcome. Wow. Again, it's these animals are like incarnate angels in many ways. They're from what we've learned in this episode, they're just doing so, so much to assist with lost soul spirits getting back to the light or protecting them in that condition, um, helping 
people heal emotionally and even physically in some extents, taking on difficult energies that can affect them, inflict them. How can we help these animals? And how can people reach out to to us, perhaps, to get assistance with animals that uh, that they need help with? Well, we look at this holistically. We often work on the owners. You know, that we we prefer when they hire us to do a family group and include their pets, because all the people in the family will interfere with the pets in in many ways because of their individual personal problems. So to help all of the individuals is is a, a blessing. And we do discounts for group sessions with our healing protocol, bringing in the divine realm. It's not us as healers putting hands on or sending our own energy. We're, go through, we're going through creator to request high-level healing help in a very, very sophisticated way to bring in healing the way the divine realm does it. And that is a whole discussion we could spend many, many hours and many days going through in detail. But we understand this in, a, in at least the general terms. And this makes all the difference in being able to request something specific that can work. So you can hire us to do healing sessions. If you've got a crisis going on, reach out to us. If you don't and you want to just clean things up, do a beautiful spring cleaning that may take care of a lifelong buildup of potential calamities that are just festering, we can get that cleaned out with the Divine Realm's help. So this is a blessing because helping your animals helps you. Helping yourselves helps your animals. It's a triple win for you, your loved pets, and the light. We're all in this together. We depend on one another, and we rise and fall together. We've got serious problems facing humanity, and we're being undermined at every turn in so many ways we couldn't spend all the time we have for this radio series to go into the details of it. We're just scratching the surface, even in talking about the animal and the pest issue. It goes on and on and on and on. I know it sounds weird and wacky, but I'm a down-to-earth person. I spent decades as a scientist doing drug discovery research, trying to help medicine with new treatments for a variety of health conditions from infectious disease, cardiovascular, cancer, anti-infectives, autoimmune disorders, transplantation, organ protection, and so forth. So I know a lot about the scientific perspective, but it's only a very superficial treatment of where problems come from. The divine knows much more about it. Remember, the Almighty is the first scientist. Indeed. Carl, we're out of time. Uh, please visit us at GetWisdom.com. Uh, you can contact us on our contact menu item on the on our homepage, GetWisdom.com. There's also a Voice America link for contact us. Reach out to us. Send us an email. Tell us what you think of the show. Ask us about the healing opportunities and options that are available. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks, Carl. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 